We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm through. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. How are things? I'm good. I'm good. My internet went out just as we were starting the podcast, but now I'm doing it on my phone. Fuck it. We're doing it live. Yeah. This is amazing. It's like it's like being in a comedy club when one of the legends is performing. This is like it's like watching Dennis Leary talk about coffee for 40 minutes right now. That's right. That's right. You don't like coffee, you get fucked, buddy. Like I yeah, I'm going to be all all about that. And it was important that <laughs> when Drew's internet went out, he put a leather jacket on and was able to start recording. It's important I be here cuz you know, we had to put up the emergency podcast siren for something that we'll post two days after we've taped it because we just watched the Eastern Conference Finals. And now it's time to talk about the NBA Finals. Before we do, I got to tell you a bad beat story, Roth, that might actually be interesting to people other than me. Are you ready? I'll I'll be the judge of that. Let's hear it. All right, so here we go. So uh, the other night, it was Game 7 between the Celtics and the Heat. And I was rooting against the Celtics, didn't want the Celtics to win. So I text our own Luis Paez Pumar. I say to him, hey, man, do you want me to bet on the Celtics to mush them? And Luis is like, whatever you can do to help the cause, brother, go for it. I'm like, all right, fine. I open up the app, and I get to the the game, and I see the line, and it's Celtics minus 7.5. And I'm like, ooh, that's a good line. And I... <laughs> I, Do you think to yourself that Vegas didn't know what they were doing with this one? Did you- yeah, yeah. No, I was. I was like, well, that's, that's, that's pretty generous to the Heat. And so my brain forgets, actively forgets that I'm supposed <laughs> to be betting on the team I don't want to win. And I put $10 down on the Heat, and I hit bet. And then I'm like... Fuck! And then I text Luis. I'm like, I just bet on the heat by accident. I mushed you. And he's like, and he's like, left my ass off. And I'm like, okay, I'll accept that ironic LMAO this one time. But do you want me to bet double the amount on the Celtics to cancel out the bet I just made? And he's like, yeah. So I go in and I put $20 on the Celtics correctly this time. And I'm like, I make the bet, and I'm like, you know what's going to happen? Boston will win this game, but they won't cover the spread. And I'll be out all of my money, and Boston will still win. But that's not what happened, because the Miami Heat beat the fucking shit out of the Celtics. And it This was- is a great opportunity for me to work on the line reading that I've been practicing since Uncut Gems came out, which is Mike Francesa saying, that's the stupidest fucking bet I ever heard of. But it's really <laughs> hard. It's hard to do it right. You, this is too early in the day for me to be doing a Francesa voice. I don't have the... I- the glottal buildup that you need. You need to be able to do that that crucial mouth stuff that Francesca can do. And yep. I, I think you'll be able to do it as we <laughs> you progress. You need the veneers, too. That's the other thing you that he's do. got. It's like the equivalent need- <laughs> of like someone yelling at you from the bottom of a stairwell. When you've got like big fake teeth adding the echo effect to it, it changes everything. We don't need to talk about Mike Francesca's mouth. We have a guest. Let's introduce a guest. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Time for an NBA Finals preview with our dear friend and Heat fan, Rohan Nadkarni of Sports Illustrated. How you doing, man? I have so many questions about just this, this little start here. First of all, why is your gambling guru like just who have like the fan of the team that you want to win that night? You're, you're like, not only did you like place the $10 bet by accident for Luis, you, you then... You could have just not told him. You could have, but then you went back and asked he was doing him, do it, I bet double? The whole reason he was doing it was to help Luis, I think. Yeah, it wasn't. I wasn't seeking Luis's gambling advice. I was just saying, hey, you want me to do you a solid by losing $10 by investing my shitty karma into the team I don't like? That was all this was about. A, it's just a fascinating series of events. And Drew's talking about it like right now, like what he did was so normal. He such a serious look on his face like now how do you was not it- understand how do you not understand what i'm talking about i know exactly what you were doing it and why you were doing it i'm just saying it was insane no it wasn't it was perfectly sensible i i am the reason your fucking team won i'm the okay, reason okay i'm the reason well, that on the very first play of the game jason tatum's ankle blew into smithereens it wouldn't have happened had i not made the double bet that changed your life forever. <laughs> 
The one thing right. that I have to like give it up to Drew for on this, beyond obviously some great bets and a and a great story, is anytime you can get this early in a podcast to be like, you don't understand, I'm perfectly normal. <laughs> yes, anytime yes. you can hit one of those he, early he in the game, so he looked so shocked that I I somehow questioned the the logic behind the story. He's like, what do you mean? It's. Uh, um, Meanwhile, Roth, motherfucker, you asked to brush your teeth before the podcast started. So who's the just, unnormal one now? Politeness. Right. I didn't want anybody to smell my breath. You're gonna bitch. I'm not in the, for a while. I get it. I'm not in the I room with you. Like, well, it's true. Look, it's a little weird that I brush my teeth before we started, yeah. but I usually do it much earlier before we. I don't like. If it would be stranger if I DM'd Drew every day, being like, "I'm brushing my teeth, man. Is that all right?" And he, I had to <laughs> wait for him to like give me the thumbs up. Like this was just this was a this was an executive decision. This was a David Roth decision, and I don't think I need to be addressing it any further here. Rohan, it's, were you ever a brush your teeth at the office kind of guy? That's a guy. No, what do you? Yeah, it's what, a guy. You've what? never seen. No. you've never been in an office and had and walked in on one of your colleagues brushing his teeth. This is. At the sink. I don't. This seems like a maybe a cultural difference. <laughs> Um, oh, oh! To, it's a white person doing it. Yeah, I mean, okay. to, to be <laughs> because, clear, yeah, that's something I like to do in the comfort of my own home, personally. You know, yeah, I flossing in the open plan office guy. Yeah. That's fine. Not everybody <laughs> wants to be that type of guy. This is. Can we take the the listeners behind the game for a moment? Not to do with my I, mouth or any I, mouth. I think stuff. we've been doing that for the past seven minutes. But so, yes, <laughs> Rohan, as a working reporter. uh, has like 90 minutes of sleep right now. So this is all going to be a lot harder <laughs> yeah. for him than it is for us. I, As I've said, not only have I had breakfast and coffee, I have brushed my teeth. Like I'm pretty much set for the mm. day. The next yeah. thing I do today is going to be going to bed. <laughs> I, I do fortunately have the hate and adrenaline flowing th- through me that can only come from that embarrassing of a loss for the city of Boston. Our our long national nightmare is over. I could not think of a less deserving city to have a second 3-0 comeback. I just, you know, ESPN would have been propping up Bob Ryan and Jackie Mack on every show possible. Yes. And it would have been like, this reminds me of when Red Auerbach told me in 79 and he got the territorial rights you know, to Dick Bob Cooter or whatever, and it's like, oh, this is this is just as this is just this is just like that time. This is just like that time when Red pulled me into his office and was, and I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of all of them. Wow, just and now we can finally talk about the conversation topic that has all of America buzzing: heat culture. What does it mean? Yeah. Is it true that they exercise more than other teams? <laughs> I'm just sorry, we're only going to have two days to go over that before right, the damn yeah. finals start. You're all, you're all right, Rhoda, because if the Celtics had won, then Jimmy Pitaro would have come to my house and stabled a fucking bloody sock to my head, and I did not. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that. is, I was not even rooting for the Heat by Game 7 as much as I was rooting against the idea of us living in a media ecosystem in which the Boston Celtics had a 3-0 comeback. It would have been yeah. miserable. But like yeah. throwback to the early aughts thing where there's somehow like ESPN instantly has a documentary and like Doris Kearns Goodwin <laughs> yes. is talking about her dad yeah. in it. And you're like, this is how did they make this so fast? Like, where did this come from? Yeah, there would have been a lot of sepia tone 2004 images and I would not have enjoyed that at all. But Ro, let's talk about the actual basketball. You went to game six, which was like which could have been an absolutely, it was a devastating loss for you because it forced the game seven that we just watched. But uh, it ended up not being that way. But at the time, what was it like for you to witness uh, Derek White put that ball back in at the buzzer? Yeah, did you like that? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know what's funny is, so I love covering the NBA playoffs. It's the best part of my job. It's so much fun. Being at the finals, every year I'm always like, I just hope I get to see a play that everyone is talking about. Seriously, like, uh, I, I think about uh, uh, the, Drew, yeah. the Drew Holiday steal in the 2021 NBA finals. I'm like, it was so cool to be there for that play. And you get to do the press conferences after, and it's so much fun. Now, when the team you grew up rooting for is in it, it's a miserable experience. You're watching it live. And at least when you're watching it in the stands, you can yell, you can curse, you can do all these things. You can't do that when you're when you're sitting in the press box, obviously, amongst other reporters. And that entire game six, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe they're playing this poorly. They're really going to blow it. 
what a disaster this is going to be. Everyone is only going to remember this team for one thing. And then inexplicably, as inexplicable as their entire playoff run has been, they somehow take a one-point lead with three seconds left. I'm convinced I was the first person in the arena, at least the first person in my section, who knew that the Derek White shot was released in time. Mm-hmm. I never had a doubt. Oh, really? I was like, oh, no, he got that off. You know what's off. weird is he- on TV, everyone I've talked to, which is like, you know, a good, I don't know, since that shot happened, you know, six, eight people. Every single person that watched it on TV thought it was late. And apparently it's like it, once you see the, the replay and stuff, it wasn't even close to being late. It was right. just somehow like being there, I guess, like so did other people in the section think that it was late or was it just that you'd like everybody that was there was like, Oh no, that, that beat it. I think there was just confusion. I think there was Mm -hmm. just so much confusion, especially because in that scenario, historically there's just never enough time for an offensive rebound put back. So I I think people just assumed once the shot rimmed out, Oh, they missed the shot. Um, No, no one's even thinking about, the putback, et cetera. You know, f- half the fans are cheering. Some fans are like, what's going on? The Heat it certainly just, weren't thinking about it. You yeah. Know? yeah it was, say, I can think of at it, least two guys that weren't thinking about him at all. But I, I remember driving home and just thinking, I'll never go to a crazier basketball game in my entire life. That's all I could think about. I was like, I was like, I could go to basketball games every single day for the next 35 years. And I may never see a game end as unexpectedly and shockingly as that one. So yeah, the last like three or five minutes of the game, let alone that. I mean, you were, I remember your posts where you were like, there's a let's go Celtics chant happening in the arena. People are leaving. That was with like five minutes left. Yes. I I left. It was over. I turned, I turned it off. (laughs) I was, you were watching like diners, drive-ins and dives when that shot went in. No, it was late, and I was like, I was very stoned. I had dry eye going. I was like, I got to go to bed, and Boston's going to win it, and I don't want to watch Boston win it. Like, that's going to suck. And actually, I'm kind of glad I went to bed, because I would not want to go through the process of seeing the heat come all the way back so quickly and being like, oh, fuck, yeah, only for that (laughs) to have happened. That's brutal. It was brutal, but I will say, in the moment, I was weirdly more like, I'm it's very cool I got to see that. Mm-hmm. I will say walking around the arena after the game, people were shocked. People were genuinely in shock. Like in the media room after the game, everyone was clearly still processing what had happened. It, it was I just can't stress how unbelievable it was to watch it because you could feel people exhale. It's weird to say that word out loud. Exhale. Yeah. Exhale. Well, how do you I think say you it? did it right. I, I'd say the H. Ex- ex- exhale. 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 Yeah. Okay, I feel like now I got it down. Um, but <laughs> you will exhale. Shoot. It's a <laughs> when he when Marcus Smart missed the shot because that shot almost went in too. That yeah. shot rolled around the rim. It's like you could see people kind of breathe after that shot rimmed out. It was. Oh my gosh, my heart was pounding. That there was a fraction of a second where everyone in the crowd knew peace. And then it was shattered instantly. Right. Yeah, that just the dynamic of that game. I mean, all of these, with the exception, I guess, you know, whatever, second half of the of game seven, every game seven this year has been absolute trash because the teams (laughs) are dead on their feet, which is like Patrick Redford likes that. But like he's got like a sort of a raccoon's appetite, like he's just like rooting around the garbage for whatever he can find to be like, "Mm, cool, (laughs) an old napkin. Like, but this was the managing to like have there be two teams playing mostly pretty ugly basketball but in such perfect sync and more or less in the right uh ratios that the game stayed interesting despite the fact that both teams basically by the end were dribbling into trouble and then pivoting around with a terrified <laughs> look on their face that was basically both offenses it's amazing that it wound up being as good a series as it did given that the basketball itself like moment to moment was not great Yes. Let me ask you about the particulars there mm-hmm. because I did I did see more than a few shots where you get blocked by your own rim and that's <laughs> like that's always so deflating. But I can't overstate how awful Heat Center Bam Adebayo was offensively in game 6 and 7. <laughs> he was bad. A game 6 was like every shot that he took got blocked including his, but Bam mm-hmm. was like awful. Why did he struggle? And can he stop doing that? In the finals, is that possible? Yeah. Do you think he should stop doing that? 
<laughs> yes, I, I would like I to know. I do think that... So it's funny because, you know, Bam was having a lot of success at times in the playoffs, even early in the Boston series. And losing to Boston last year was a huge motivating factor for him and the kind of player he wanted to become this year. I wrote about it at the beginning of the season, the way he changed his offensive game. He hit the most unassisted shots of his career this year. I mean, you saw Jimmy Butler, his efficiency took a huge dive in this series. What it came down to was like the Heat had to play a lot of one-on-one in this series. And it worked out for them. Clearly, obviously, they won eventually. But sometimes those possessions look ugly. Like, Bam Adebayo can score one-on-one. And over the course of the regular season, did it with more success than he's done ever before in his career. But when you're playing against a really good team, sometimes it's going to look very ugly. And it looked very ugly for him the last couple games. I think he'll have an easier time scoring against the Nuggets. They're not quite as talented defensively as Boston. I will say, I I think you made a good point to clarify offensively because defensively, like he's the key to every single thing they do, and he's so important to them. I genuinely think very few players, I think Jokic is maybe one of the very few who are, are asked to do more than Bam on a given night. Like the Heat, it's like he's the ultimate crutch for Eric Spolster because of how much he can do. And last night especially, like, Early in the game, the Heat were just like, screw it. We're switching every pick and roll. Um, We're not going to let them get going from three. We're not giving them any open looks. They can only do that because of Bam. Like, that only works because of Bam. That only works because Bam can guard literally every single player on the Celtics one-on-one. So it's it it was a tough go for him. I'm not going to make excuses. It it looks ugly when it's ugly, but that's kind of the nature of one-on-one hoops. Uh, meanwhile, Caleb Martin was the exact opposite of all that because he, from the, oh, yeah. the offensive end, he was a shit stomper all series long, sp- especially in game seven. He was like the single good player in game seven. Is he legit or am I looking at a future guy we remember, Rohan? What, what? <laughs> so I'm in the tank for Caleb Martin because before game three of the series, I was like, I'm going to do a Caleb Martin story. He's incredible. And I talked to him before game three and I looked him in the eye and I said, I think you're the third best player on this team. And I think you should be starting. And I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And he just laughed. And then lo and behold, they put him in the starting lineup for game six and seven. He has an incredible story. Like the only reason he made the heat is because J. Cole called Karan Butler and said, you need to get this guy in a scrimmage. And that's how he ended up scrimmaging in front of the heat. Um, and he made the team as a two-way player. He's been incredible. I think he's legit. Listen, is he going to score 25 points on 70% shooting for the rest of his career? No. Are you but, sure? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't, you know, he's been great, not just in the series, but in the entire playoffs. I meant it when I told him, I think he's been their third best player at the very, at the very least, their third most important are you um, trying to take credit for Caleb Martin being good? No, 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 no. Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Mm. If I had ever like gotten something as right as that, though, I would be bragging on it. Like, <laughs> that's being, it like, very, yeah. like, dignified relative to if I were to sort of, like, and that's what I told Daniel Murphy. I know you're going to have three great <laughs> weeks during the 2015 <gasps> National League playoffs and championship series. Like, yeah, that's... Did you accidentally uh, put... $10 on Caleb Martin sucking and then <laughs> double back and put $20 on him on him being so good. Can you, can you say why you think he is the, the third most important player on the team? It's because in the playoffs, you need guys who don't take something away from you. Like, you, you need guys who don't have a glaring weakness. Like, the playoffs become so much about how do you mitigate what your team does the worst, right? So, for example, in games like one and two, Jimmy Butler is going at Derek White over and over again. Like that the Boston's a very high floor team. Like Derek White's a good defender. Jimmy Butler's having success there. But Boston is like, we can live with that because Derek White's a good defender. We might send some more help in the paint. And over the course of the series, started to have more success with that matchup. Like the Heat, they play a lot of zone when Duncan Robinson's on the floor. That's to mitigate Duncan Robinson's weakness, which is him being a one-on-one defender. Caleb Martin. He doesn't have those glaring weaknesses. He shoots when he should shoot, right? He takes good shots. Like, he takes open threes. He only takes bad jumpers when it's, like, late in the shot clock. Um, He's great at finishing at the rim. He just has so many strengths to his game and very few weaknesses. 
And those kinds of players, even if they aren't like true superstars, are so much more valuable in the playoffs. Like if you think of a guy like Tyler Hero, who is kind of a bigger name, right? Big contract, big star, scores a lot of points. Great dresser, been in, too. <laughs> great dresser, yes. Yep. Tyler Hero would have been a difficult guy to play in this series at times because the Celtics, think about how Kevin Love didn't play the last two games. That would have been Tyler Hero. They're putting him in every pick and roll. They're attacking him on every switch. The Heat could switch everything because they didn't have a truly horrible defender on the floor, right? Like, Tyler Hero is getting attacked every time. Like, so as good of a player as he is, that one weakness makes it difficult for him to play off. Caleb Martin doesn't have that. That's what makes him so valuable, is he can do so many things without taking anything away. He's going to make a great Washington wizard, too. I'm very... very <laughs> it does have the, the feeling of a guy that, like, could wind up getting promoted, like getting a, whatever, Peter Principled than some, like, bad <laughs> franchise where they're like, now we need you yep. to take those bad twos. Like, that's our whole <laughs> offense now. Yeah, that is what happens. That's how Coach Scott Brooks drew it up. I'm only going to linger <laughs> on, the, on the Eastern Conference for one more question, and it is... Can the Celtics, as presently constituted, bro, ever win a title? Like, what's missing from them apart from continuity on their coaching staff and consistent three-point shooting and the general affection of the world? Like, what are they? Yeah. What else are they missing? <laughs> How do they get in the Pantheon? What are they yeah. going to do? <laughs> My dad is going to break it down when we come back. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, I wrote about this for SI today. I think the Celtics would be insane to break this team up. They have the second most playoff wins in the NBA over the last four years. They're one behind the Miami Heat. Oh, like how, I think how, how far back do you have to go in the Knicks history to get to 36 playoff wins? How many years <laughs> back do you have to go to get to 36 playoff wins? Like, listen, at the end of the day, I also, in the last four years, the Milwaukee Bucks have lost in the first, or since Jason Tatum entered the league, the Milwaukee Bucks have lost in the first round as many times as they made the conference finals. The Celtics have made it four times with, since Jason Tatum entered the league. You don't break that up because of tough losses. Okay, and I wrote about this, like Pat Riley gave this famous speech after the Heat lost to the Spurs in 2014, where he's like, you have to have the guts. He's like, the Lakers, you know, they won five championships in 12 years. That means they lost seven times. Um. The, the losses hurt more because the expectations are so high because of how good the Celtics have been the last few years. At the end of the day, they're closer than most teams in the league. And I don't see how they, I don't see how they get closer by getting rid of the players they currently have. They got to find a way to add to it. Um, I think you're going to need some more front court depth. Al Horford slowed down a little bit. Rob Williams can be in and out of the lineup. I think they, they're a little too guard heavy. I think they need one more guy on the wing to help Tatum and Brown, but they're so close. And to me, the idea that anyone's like, you should break up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's overreaction. That's pure takery. Don't do that. It does feel like the sort of thing where it's like you can see it. And like in that first 24 hours after, I mean, like Jalen Brown played a terrible game seven. Like mm -hmm. he like played like he had roller skates on. Like it was just really disastrous. It was and great. Yet, like, Loved it. For all, yeah, and then for all the limitations that he has, and this was like a, a big work slack gag, is that basically like he is as good as a player can be without knowing how to dribble good. <laughs> dribble, yeah. Which is like a really, you know, a, a decently crucial basketball uh, capability, but not obviously disqual. You can still make an all-NBA second team if right. you can't do it. But it yeah. is like, do you trust that you'd be able to get somebody better in a deal, right. you know? Like that's the... You know what they needed to win a championship is for Steph Curry to be even slightly worse than literally the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> if he's slightly worse, they might have a championship already. Like, the margins are so thin, and listen, am I going to write some fake trades? Fake Jalen Brown trades? Absolutely. If, if only just to make Celtics fans mad. But that doesn't mean you get rid of <laughs> It's professionalism. I respect that. You know the things <laughs> that they had to add, but it's hard to add those things when they got to pay those guys. Like, they're going to have to pay Jalen Brown, right? Mm -hmm. I just want to say that the, the NBA's new CBA sucks and I hate it. And I think it's so stupid what they've done to kind of basically try to stop teams from spending big on their rosters. And it's going to have unintended consequences of making the league worse and less fun. So I'm already mad at the NBA and it's, it's going to be an issue for the Celtics. I got to find a way to navigate it. 
Well, let's uh, let's talk about the other side of the bracket and the NBA Finals when we get back with Rohan. Before we go, though, uh, <laughs> I just want to note that this podcast is sponsored by the Celtics losing the Eastern Conference Finals. Did you know that forcing a Game 7 against Miami after being down three games to none and then still losing that game anyway at home is something that a team can do? Well, Boston did it, and it <laughs> fucking rocked. So ask your doctor <laughs> if the Celtics choking on their own ball bag is right for you, because it is. We'll be right back with Rohan Nadkarni. That's a the classic personal experience ad. We love that. This episode is sponsored by Wild Grain. Are you craving fresh, delicious, easy meals? Do you want the experience of taking a loaf of bread out of your freezer, putting it in your oven, and then removing it, and it's like delicious bread from a bakery and not something that came from your freezer at all? If that is an experience that appeals to you, you should try Wild Grain and get their bake-from-frozen sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries delivered right to your door. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisan pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, and all you have to do is pull it out of the freezer, pop it in the oven, and then less than a half hour later, you have delicious bakery-quality food ready to eat in your home. All you have to do is sign up at wildgrain.com slash distraction and choose which type of box you want to receive and how often you want to receive it. It's easy to reschedule or skip or cancel. Plus, for every new member, Wild Grain donates six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank, so you can eat good and do good all at the same time. For a limited time, you can get $30 off your first box, plus free croissants in every box that you get when you go to wildgrain.com slash distraction to start your subscription. You heard me. That's free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash distraction. That's wildgrain.com slash distraction, or you can use promo code distraction at checkout. The Distraction is also sponsored by Shaker and Spoon, which is a subscription cocktail service based right here in Brooklyn, New York, that helps you learn how to make world-class cocktails right at home. Every box comes with enough ingredients to make three unique cocktail recipes developed by award-winning mixologists. All you need to do is buy one bottle of that month's spirit, and you have all you need to make 12 cocktails at home. This month's box is Born to Rum, Jamaica, including a jerk daiquiri and something called an Esther's Day that includes grapefruit sherbet and black pepper bitters. This is the thing that makes this different, and this is what Eric always talks about when we talk about it. They sent the man a nutmeg so he could add that, which is a nut. It's a thing. And he said they sent him that and he put it in a cocktail. It's like that level of being bougie and delicious. And that is not the sort of thing that I would ordinarily be able to do. And yet Shaker and Spoon unlocks it right there in your home with your own bottle of booze that you bought. Shaker and Spoon is the best way to enjoy craft cocktails at home or at a friend's place and level up your home bartending skills. Order just one box or treat yourself to a monthly subscription. Either way, you can get $20 off your first box at shakerandspoon.com slash distraction. That's $20 off at shakerandspoon.com slash distraction. And we're back with Rohan of Sports Illustrated. Uh, by the way, Rohan, I should note that someone on Twitter said that you were their favorite guest on the podcast. And I'm just going to expand that and say that you're everybody's favorite guest on the oh, podcast. Oh, listen, I have, I have so much fun doing this show. And I feel like if this wasn't being posted online, I would still do this. And I would frankly, like I'd do it for two hours. You know what I mean? Like, we're yeah. just, I would we're never just talk chatting. to you outside of work. I would, I would never do that. That'd be <laughs> That's just because Drew's really dedicated to other things. I would happily talk to you outside of work as long as I didn't have to do work. <laughs> like to replace us with that. Thank Bro, you, if, I appreciate it. Uh, Ro, uh, your Heat, they're going to play the Nuggets in the finals. Mm -hmm. Are you just happy to be there, or do you think your team actually has a shot? Well, it's interesting because I love the Denver Nuggets also, and I arguably watch and tweet more about the Denver Nuggets than the Miami Heat during the regular season at the very least. Okay, but you don't root for them the way that I kind of do. I, uh, it's close. I will say I do think that the Heat beating Boston, especially in the manner they beat Boston, it's going to be hard. Like, a championship's obviously a championship, but it's hard to get much more satisfying than that against your hated rival, especially as an eight seed. I also think Denver 
is a heavy, heavy favorite in this series. And unlike a team like Boston, which is just messed around seemingly the entire playoffs, like just a classic Boston goof up. Like, I, I mean, Denver has been the opposite of that. They've taken care of business at every turn. So 12 and three, these playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm undefeated at home. They've been an absolute machine. They've been watching, Jokic has been watching harness racing in Slovenia for like the last week. <laughs> exactly. Just. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's a both a huge accomplishment for the Heat to be in the finals in the first place. I mean, this team was, I thought they were going to lose the second playing game to the Bulls. <laughs> they almost uh, did. They were down yeah. with like three minutes left. They were losing the game, which yes. is amazing. And the Nuggets are an absolute machine. Like I'm, I would be shocked if Denver somehow didn't win this series. Uh, if they do win the series, can we take back Joel Embiid's MVP from this season <laughs> just to be mean to him? Oh, my God. So I, the entire year, I was saying objectively the funniest outcome would be Embiid winning the MVP and then losing in the second round yet again. And, <laughs> and he did it. And not only did he lose in the second round... He blew a 3-2 lead in the second round. Uh, he had a fourth quarter lead at home in game six and then didn't take a shot in basically the last five minutes of the game. I, I'm i not mad at Joel Embiid because I like that he wanted to win MVP. I think he's a great player. I think he was deserving of it this year. It's just, again, I we, we touched on this one of the times we did the show was I wrote this big Jokic story last year. And just the way people react to the idea of Jokic winning MVPs and it's media bias, it's nerds, it's whatever, like all those narratives are just being killed one by one. And it's so satisfying every time it blows up in one of these people's faces. Oh, he's not gonna be able to play defense in the playoffs. You know, he gets through Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, um, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Yeah, Yeah. it's just been... He's just been obliterating any narrative that people were trying to hold against the guy. And that, to me, is more satisfying, frankly, than him having won his third MVP. It's him not winning it, and this exact scenario playing out is way funnier than if Jokic had won it in the first Yeah, place. I agree. That certainly, like, the the whole, like, Jokic discourse, which we did discuss last time. We don't need to do the whole thing again. But yeah, like, yeah, 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 People are, are too mad at him being as good as he is. And that is always the funniest type of like basketball, Twitter, basketball (laughs) mind thing where there's just like people that can't process that he's good, (laughs) that that is because so much of it is, you know, like manufactured like that, like ESPN play fighting thing where there was like, well, I was told like Michael Jordan couldn't score (laughs) with the game on the line. You're like, fuck up. Come on, man. Like we're all grownups here. Whereas in this case, there really are people that are like, Jokic needs to fucking eat better and like he needs to like D up. Like he needs that dose dose of heat (laughs) culture. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think think a lot of that's I think a lot of that's Twitter culture too. Like I Mm -hmm. I see that now now that I'm one of the VIPs on Blue Sky and it's just like it's Twitter, but no one's there and all like you realize how you behaved on Twitter and how other people behaved and you know I was as guilty as like every wingnut and fucking Krasenstein brother where I, you know, I'm going on Twitter ready to be pissed off. Like I'm primed mm-hmm. to be yeah. pissed off. That's, that's the, that's where I'm operating from. Like what's pissing me off? Is it a take? Is it something in the news? Did the Supreme court just fuck everybody again or something yeah. like that? You, like, just, that's you only just have to my, wait a minute too. Cause someone's always going to bring you like some little bit of bad news. A thousand mm-hmm. percent. So Jokic was part of that, but then also, there was game seven the other night where it's like, oh, yeah, this is why I come to Twitter. It's for the sports <laughs> yes. shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where it's, see, I, I actually want Twitter just to stick to sports. I'm a, I'm a horrible hypocrite. Can I bring up something that's like nuggets adjacent, Twitter adjacent? I don't know that necessarily ties all these things together, but it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure you guys have seen like the Denver Nuggets are like, we're disrespected by the national media, et cetera, et cetera. No one yep. pays attention to us. So what's funny is, number one, I wrote a story last year that's like, the, no one's paying attention to the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic is undercover. He's an MVP. They didn't even give him a Christmas game. I wrote that story last year. This year, I told Michael Malone in Los Angeles to his face that the Nuggets were my finals pick. I saw him in the tunnel <laughs> in Los Angeles, shook my hand because we'd done, we'd done this story. 
He was just saying hello. And I was like, coach, you guys are my finals pick. Don't let me down. Okay. Wow. And, you said don't let me down. You call yourself yeah, yeah. a fucking yeah. journalist. Don't <laughs> fuck yeah. this up. I got money on you, brother. <laughs> it's like, no, make me look good. Make me look good. You know what I'm saying? I think I was like, you guys are making me look good so far because they were number one in the West. And what's what's like disconcerting is obviously it's like it's like I'm not gonna be here and be like oh like if only Nuggets fan reads my stories they'd know like people respected them, but it, there is like this weird aspect where when you see these kind of narratives form, you know, and like Heat fans have been doing it too. They're like ESPN doesn't care about us. It just it makes you so sad almost that you're like man. People really do be watching that much first take, yep, and not oh. and not and not like, and that's not to say even like the greatest basketball minds don't get it wrong. Like I picked the Bucks to smoke the Heat in the first round, and you know I'm not saying like every serious guy even gets it right all the time, but the people who do this job seriously are talking about your favorite team. I promise, and it's yeah. like it's just so disheartening when you see stuff like. Oh, they said, but they but they said on the halftime show that the weather was the problem, and it's like, but stop listening to that stuff. Yeah, like how are you as a as an adult getting mad about what Kendrick Perkins said? Like you exactly. have to just do something else. Like there's so many books that you could read instead of thinking about that. Well, also you caring you caring is enough, right? It's like it's like being pissed at your favorite movie doesn't do good box office, or like your favorite <laughs> yeah, right, or your favorite band didn't right. hit number one on Billboard, like yeah. like. You like them. What happens? What happens if the Denver Nuggets magically achieve the national coverage deemed necessary by their local media? They'd be they wouldn't know what to do with themselves because they've talked themselves into the idea that no one respects them. Right. What would you what would you do if everyone respected you? You know what? It wouldn't be as fun. I bet it wouldn't be as fun. The part of it, and this is like for me too, I've always drawn this like bright line between like the shit that players have to believe to get themselves psyched up right for games and then what fans it's different i don't have to get myself motivated to to for the nba finals like i'll watch it for sure but it's because right. like i'm old and don't have plans on weeknights anymore like that's just like i and i enjoy watching basketball but you don't have to as a fan do the like nobody believed in us shit like that's if that's what it takes to like push yourself to that like 140th percentile of like physical exertion then like all right do what you got to do like that's hard your job is a lot harder than mine but like as a fan just like try to i I feel like that willingness like this like determination to choose grievance over joy or over just like some like that is it's a problem everywhere in the culture but it's like also you don't have to do that here like that is a hundred percent a choice and like it it kind of bones me out it does me too and i just want to note that also uh Bill Barnwell had uh, the Vikings at 22 in his offseason power rankings. And for that, I would go to his house and <laughs> fucking sad. murder him. Like, yes. And that's you know. here's, a, here's the sad part is like Drew, I'm not immune to the, I, you know, I'm not immune into the talk myself into my back against the wall type conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just the only team I've cared about like that is the Mets. And like, anytime people were like saying bad things about them in the past, I was like, you know what, you actually make some really good points. Like, it's hard for me to argue with that. Like the idea of just rolling Jason Vargas out there, like nobody thinks that's a good idea. I'll just say like when the Heat had LeBron, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, it was this playoff run has been infinitely more fun than any one of those ones were. Yeah, because all you felt was relief. Okay, let me let me really a, a word to the Nuggets fans. It's like the thing that was supposed to be happening yeah, was happening. Exactly, you know? being the favorite is not fun. You won a title though. Winning the title probably kicked more ass than beating Boston, didn't it? Drew, when they won those championships, it was genuinely. It was like, thank God, the entire country is not going to hate this city. <laughs> yeah. This, thank God, the entire country is not going to make fun of this city for the next two months. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what it felt like. Because you yeah. well, you went through that with the Dallas loss, right? So yes. you knew yes. you knew what awaited you if you had fucked up again. That's exactly. the thing with like building a, a super team like that. That's the thing that I thought with like everybody piled on Durant for wanting to go to Golden State. And I understand why they did and stuff, but that was to me like as big a reputational risk as anything. Like he could have been, you know, everybody's like sort of beloved superstar on a team that tops out the conference finals and doesn't win anything. But he was like, No, I want to go be like option one C on this historically <laughs> right. great team. Like, yeah, of course you could get clowned for doing that. 
But yeah, but then he won a title. So then he won a title, so, right. So. so now he gets to say that he won a title. So then, all right, what is hateable about these nuggets, Rohan? Is there anything I can hang my hat on? Is it just Michael Porter being just a weird dipshit with some Hope Solo in him? Like, where am I? Where, where can I find my my ire for the nuggets? Or should I just give in Help him. to their nuggetness? Aaron Gordon did is wearing the number 50 to like represent the score he should have gotten in the dunk contest. And he wrote like a, he wrote like a Dwayne Wade diss track. That's the only one that maybe comes close. But here's the thing. I love Aaron Gordon. Um, not to plug like the 15th story I've plugged on a podcast. This Too late. Appearance, but I I even wrote about Aaron Gordon this year, and it was he was lovely to chat with. He told me that he he tried to guarantee a return to the dunk contest if he made the All Star game, and I was like, you know, I was like, you know, that's gonna blow up, right? Like we have to lead with that. He's like, I don't care, do it. Um, <laughs> so th- this is a thing, man. They're a lovable team, and another thing that's like what was frustrating about the Jokic stuff is, in like any other context, the Nuggets would be like. America's team. It's like they drafted a guy in the second round during a Taco Bell commercial, and he's the best player in the NBA. They got another guy who's missed the last two years because of an injury and has come back and playing his ass off. They like they're homegrown. Everyone loves when teams draft their own players, blah, blah, blah. Like they they have all the makings of everyone's favorite team. And I I do think they should and will be the sentimental favorites in the finals as well. Yeah, I think I think it's all because they don't play east of the Mississippi. I really do. If they played every, <laughs> I honestly, sure. if they played if they played every game at eight p.m. Eastern, can we talk about Mount, Mountain Time Zone? Is like just deeply fucked. Like, We're gonna get rid there? of it. You know they don't like it. Nobody likes it. <laughs> yeah, the two the two dollar <laughs> bill of time zones. Very weird. Very Dude, weird listen, when you're there, you're always like, what time is it, and why is shit starting right now? <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest. <laughs> It's like, what is going on? It's just it's so 6 weird. It's 6 p.m. I can't breathe. What's going on? The only yeah. thing worse than mountain time zone is like when Arizona doesn't observe daylight savings or something. Mm. And then like, if you're like me, somehow you're traveling from California, Arizona, and the time is completely, it's just, just stop it. Okay. Just stop it. Three time zones is enough. Yeah, but I respect the fact that there's a time zone that has like two major sports teams in it. Like there is something, <laughs> right. well, you know, I guess whatever. The Rockies are a real team too. Yeah. yeah. When you were a child, Rohan, did you think that the Nuggets were named after chicken nuggets the way I did? Yes, there was definitely a brief. I mean, I like quickly saw like the mountain in the logo. Um, but when I first fired up NBA courtside on my N64, I was like, that's sick. They named a team after chicken nuggets. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, America rocks. They named a team after chicken nuggets. <laughs> it's really like, honestly, oh, having lived God. through like the 90s, it's like a miracle that there wasn't a team that just was the Mountain Dew or something right, like that. Right, right. Like it right. was not a great time for the culture, like just shame wise. They would have been like, yeah, we're the, um, we're the Toronto Code Red. And instead of the, right. the Raptor with like rollerblades on, it's just Dan Cortez. I mean, we had the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, and we still have the New York Red Bulls. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's still, it's there a little bit. The lesson being that there's nothing beneath us. There's nothing, right. there's nothing right. that we wouldn't do as a culture. I just want to say real quick, people are going to think I'm pandering, but this is something I literally was talking to with my dad the other night. Because Did you just write about an and, SI in a story? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. But I'm having my dad on. Speaking, speaking of firing up, speaking of firing up NBA courtside, like I just think back in the day, like when my family first moved to America, how big of a deal it was that my brother and I were getting this N64 and how nice it was that you could plug it in, turn it on and play. And literally nothing like that exists anymore. There's nothing in the world except like a toaster that you can just turn on and use it. Like, why did we get away from this? I guess like, well, don't, don't. Doesn't an iPhone do that? You just turn on an iPhone and it starts. No, working. it's like set up the software, pick a light, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like it's all so much. There's nothing yeah. that you do for the first time now that doesn't require like eight layers of setup. So this is you, a level always, of, of old you, guy shit that I rarely indulge in myself. And like, obviously there's, you know, regular listeners will know that every episode I'm just sort of like, they don't make the potatoes right anymore. Like <laughs> right. I have like a bunch of old guy opinions. But in this case, I am 
fucking scandalized as a non-gamer by everything I read about all of the like the NBA game and stuff like that where it's like it's a lot of there's a lot of micro payments you have to yeah. do oh, things, yeah. like, oh, like, like you have worst. to like give Jake from State Farm a hand job if you want to get traded or something it's just like completely <laughs> psychotic stuff and all of it is apparently real like there's just like characters it's and nuts like storylines it's nuts yeah. to me no gamers gamers hate that too it's like it's like how you think like QR code menus are like just an old person hang up that they hate them. Everybody hates them. They, they, they really do. Them. It's legit. Right. You can't even look at a freaking, um, just, it's going to sound like I'm doing a now bit. We're, like, we, this is it. Over the course of this episode, we've all become Dennis Leary. Yeah. Now, which yeah, is really exactly. exciting. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, I just want to turn something on and use it. I'm tired of having to do so much other shit before I can use it. Yeah. Well, because you're always going to have to register. It's always going to be like, well, <laughs> do you, you got to make a password and your password can't have any cues in it. Yo, I saw my dad working on a scanner for like six hours the other day. <laughs> Before we get to our guy of the week, we got to pick these finals. Ro, who you got? I'm going to go. Oh, God. Heat fans are going to kill me. I'm going to go Nuggets in five. Uh, Roth? That was my instinct, too. I just feel like the Heat, they're super game, and I really appreciate everything they've done in the playoffs. I feel like they were running on empty in that last game, and now they mm-hmm. got to go play at altitude. You know, like, sorry, good luck. But I yeah, think they, games. those teams looked so, so tired. I will also pick the gentleman's sweep, and I was going to accuse you guys of being copycats, but I'm not going to do that because I'm well, Maybe we're person. all just exactly as smart as each other. <laughs> Time for our guy of the week. Every week we remember an athlete of yours, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. Our guy <laughs> of the week, Rohan, he might be before your time, but uh, I picked a nugget because I, I would have picked a, a member of the Heat, but like I pandered to you enough in that regard. So this time we get a, we get a classic Nuggets guy. And this week, your guy of the week is Fat Lever. Do you remember was, Fat Lever? <laughs> I was hoping Rohan. you'd say that. I've certainly never watched Fat Lever play, but once again, the first time I learned about him, I was like, this is sick. This guy's <laughs> just named Fat. I was like, this country is on one. Like, this is, this is, I love yeah. that this is that element of the experience where you're just sort of... because. It's very telling. Like, I mean, I think I had the same sort of experience, like pulling this guy's basketball card, and I was like, fat lever. What an amazing that because that yes. could be describing a thing too, like yeah. on a boat or whatever. His name is fat. But that is it absolutely is true that America whips ass because yeah. for all the things we get wrong, it's like a team that's named after uh like one of the McDonald's value menu items. And then also on that team, there's a guy whose name is fat. It whips. Can I throw out can I throw out Antonio McDice? Antonio that McDice, a solid. A yeah, of course. Very good nug. The also, uh, they were. Uh, I was watching Game Seven, and Stan Van Gundy uh, tossed the Davis brothers and Reggie Miller. He mm. Antonio and Dale Davis, and I was like, he's remembering guys. That's a yes. thing we do. Wow, that's great. <laughs> I, good job. I have a I have a baseball guy in honor of Roth. Oh, thank you. Ooh, uh, Florida. Very brief. Florida Marlins, a legend. And I believe a New York Mets legend as well, Mike Hampton. Oh yeah, oh yeah, How about Mike Hampton, huh? Yep, Hampton left the Mets uh, because he said he wanted to go someplace with better schools. So he went to go pitch for the Rockies <laughs> and got his tits lit for three straight years and washed out of the game. Lit. Yep, which is tough for him. That's that was terrible. I hated to see that. Yeah, but didn't he get paid out the ass? Yeah, he got paid like crazy. That was the the uh, Rockies were into that at the time. He got traded to the Marlins for like a second, and then they immediately traded him, I think, to the Braves. Yeah, I pulled it up on Wikipedia because he was going to be a part of the 03 World Series team, and I wanted him. He was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, um, he had a good career. I just, the vibes with him as a Met were not great, but right. that was, I don't, you know, everything about that Mets team, that era was kind of bad that way. Just that era, though. Yeah. No, then we got over it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't think I have very much memory of Hampton as a Marlins. Like, he was really there for no, like No, no, no. He wasn't season. actually on the Marlins. It was literally yeah. like they traded for him and then traded it. It was like a Mike Piazza situation, but not oh, even. Wow. Like, you know, they traded him immediately. Can I say one thing about McDice just to go back to that quickly? <laughs> so one of the, the videos that I return to often when I'm on my Jamal Crawford shit and just watching highlights <laughs> on YouTube at one in the morning, which is what I think Jamal Crawford actually does. Like he was definitely doing it during the pandemic 
like when nothing was happening and he would just be tweeting late at night, like Nick Van Exel is nice. Yeah. Like, yeah I know what you're, <laughs> I like where your head's at. So if you watch um, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf's 50 point game, which I recommend everybody does because it's cool as hell. It's clear that his role on that team was throwing entry passes to Antonio McDias. Like him scoring 50 <laughs> points in that game was a happy accident and he was hitting all of his threes and he was playing like the way that like a Steph or like Damian Lillard type player plays now. But at the time, like that was not just was it McDyess's team, like that era was a McDyess era. Like yep. the whole league ran on baby hooks. That was just <laughs> what it was all about. Uh, let's open up the fun bag. These are real questions from defector readers and distraction listeners. Sean asks, and this is for you, Roth, does the passage of time turn a dude into a guy <laughs> mm. can you be demoted to a guy after being it, a dude yes i think that so this is a complicated but also not totally complicated because it's fully subjective uh thing but i think that there's like players who are on balance guys over the course of their careers but spend some time as a dude mm. and that is like one of my favorite types of careers to have like the the ones the the strangest ones are like people that are like we talked about albert bell briefly last week like guys that where their whole career is at dude level they're stars and yet like it's not long enough or they're too annoying or uh you know like in bell's case like just too scary in their personal behavior to like get the sort of hall of fame type accolades well he was but firing most, like fastballs at fans in the stands yeah and he was like a yeah. bad guy he's like he, like, threatening a, people with his bat and stuff yeah he yeah put a tracker on his wife's yeah. car like just a, oh, a not no. not what you want well that's just i mean you gotta know where your wife is going i mean how is he gonna figure oh, that yeah, out we could ask her that's a biblical perspective that drew brings to the podcast yeah. i think is really nice the but like but the guys that have these careers, and this is like one in some ways, like my favorite type of like NBA career, are people that have like a duty, <laughs> duty, <laughs> like poop. They have like a dude level like peak, but then surround it with like a long career of being a successful guy level contributor. In some ways, Aaron Gordon. Like, mm. really, like, could have been. I mean, they the Magic picked him. He's like the third or fourth overall pick yeah. in the draft he was in. They tried to make him a dude for sure. And he was like, no, nah, I don't think I really want to do that. Right. Like, I think that I would flourish more doing, like, and he still does a lot with the Nuggets. Right. Like, it's not the sort like, he didn't just go there and turn into, you know, what, like Eric Dampier or something like that. Right. Like, they, they use him ambitiously and he can do anything. But, like, I think there's something, uh, I don't know real dignified to that. So maybe it's not just the passage of time. Maybe some people uh, realize that they are inside a guy and not a dude. Uh, Daniel writes in, Rohan, what are your thoughts on fluent English speakers really leaning into the authentic pronunciations of foreign words? And does your opinion change if they are also fluent in that other language? For example, I feel like the first time I was really cognizant of this was seeing a compilation of Giada de Laurentiis saying the word mozzarella. Now, I gave her a pass on this because obviously she's Italian. Still, it feels a little jarring to me to listen to her speaking English in a pretty prototypical American American accent and then hear her drop a mozzarella with all the stank on it in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> okay. this, is, this is great on you, Rohan, when people do this. This is, this is a fantastic question, but let me start by saying that Giada's in her own category yeah. because she's a TV personality who, like the emailer mentions, is... Italian, and yes, Giada's using putting way too much masala on on those words. <laughs> yeah, she's, like, she's putting way salt too much in all of yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's she is hamming it up. She you know way too much. Such a heavy hand with the masala. I'm trying to think of the other words she said. She's like fusilli in the middle of nowhere, just yeah. like six you know Italian finger hand emojis. <laughs> the ribolita, exactly, but. I will say, as someone who has to hear, you know, his native dishes and words, etc., butchered all the time. Oh yeah, I, mean, I I appreciate the people who make an effort to say things the way they're meant to be said. The number of times people have been like garam masala drives me nuts. Okay, I, I know that I do it too. Like I have, I and like I like saying all that stuff, but I know I'm like the would you please pass the Jalia voice every time I try it. Rohan, can I can I ask you can I ask you how it is pronounced? I don't know. garam garam masala. 
Garam masala. Okay. Yes. All right. And I will say, I will also say, I also don't blame people who don't know because I think, also frankly, think that kind of knowledge is a privilege, right? Like we are lucky to live in big cities and experience different cultures, et cetera. Not everyone has that opportunity. So I don't hold it against people because I understand everyone has to learn something for the first time. But again, people have gotten my name wrong, dishes, whatever. So I I think it's, in fact, I appreciate the people who make an effort um, with different languages. Like if I, you know, if I take a trip somewhere, I'm going to try to learn a couple phrases and hopefully say it right. So I'm, I'm making an effort to kind of respect the larger community here. So I'm, I'm for it, but Giada, Giada's got way too much masala in her hands <laughs> on some much, of these words. Too much dip on her chip. <laughs> yeah. I think the only thing is that I, I would worry a little bit uh, about slipping into racism. So if I said Vindaloo to you, but I put like an, you know, like an Apu accent on it, like, you know, <laughs> well, that's, like, that's, that yes. is different. So don't like, do that. Vindaloo, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. But like, but just like, say I'm, Vindaloo. You're I'm good brother. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm like trying to say it, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to say it like the natives say it, but I just end up doing like a comically shitty accent. Like, like I don't, you know, I, it's always dangerous, right? Like if I, it's like the old SNL skit where everyone is like eating lunch from a Mexican restaurant and it's all white people and they're like, I will have the chimichangas, right? Like, <laughs> like, again, like I, I just, I, I, I want to be careful and I want to give people permission to accidentally butcher it so much that they, that they lapse that into caricature. Anybody who would wonder this is probably doing okay. Yes. Like if this is a thought that you've had, like if you even experience a moment of compunction before you break out, like just Anya's on Anya's, you're <laughs> probably all right. Like, can I say the one funny one that my dad dropped on me uh, yes, on Sunday? So we were. Did you guys pot about it? No, we. <laughs> yeah, we were. So this was our emergency podcast. Yeah, yeah. We were recording hours after the end of Game Seven of the NBA Finals. Uh, we were. It was actually my nephew's birthday party, if you must know. Uh-huh. And for whatever reason, my parents were bragging about how, uh, like, what a what a broad and uh, diverse taste in cheese he has, which he does <laughs> for a kid his age. He's eleven. It's the sort of thing my parents would brag about. And my dad said camembert in a way that had <laughs> like Charles de Gaulle International Airport, <laughs> like camembert. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like one of those things where, first of all, I loved it. But second of all, you know, my dad is from Union County, New Jersey, and I'm from Bergen County, New Jersey. He has been able to speak French at times in his life, probably still could. I took it in middle school or whatever. At no point has anyone ever said, I don't know that anybody has ever said camembert with that much, like, just cave-aged stank on it. <laughs> That's so I've just been good. About it since. My wife barely noticed it. Like I told her after I was talking afterwards, I was like, you catch that pronunciation of camembert. She's like, I have no idea what you're talking what? about, dude. <laughs> Can I just say something real quick, by the way? One time I was interviewing Hank Azaria for his show about like Brockmire or whatever. I guess mm-hmm. the yeah, show is called right. Brockmire. Yeah. And before the interview, they were like, please, no questions about the Apu controversy. And I'm convinced they only said it to me because I was Indian. Because oh. why else was it coming up? Why, yeah. Why right. Yeah. And why would uh, they do that? Like, yeah. Fuck, and I'm like, oh, does he think of it? Yeah. But uh, anyway, I should, I should have gotten his ass. I should have gotten his ass either yeah. way. It's no profiling. Right. Wait, wait, wait. On, please. So they retired the character too. So Drew, were you joking when you said we were going to talk about sandwiches on this episode because i genuinely thought you were 100 percent serious i was 100 percent serious uh but like my internet crapped out and all would you like to talk <laughs> about see. sandwiches before we go because yeah. i actually did have a sandwich question for you yeah oh i would love to hear it i would love to hear it okay rohan what is a relatively obscure sandwich that i have not eaten that i ought to eat this is I'm I you could not have asked me a better question today. Yeah, Drew. this is it. This is no. Now, granted, in, in, in the grand wrong. in the grand scheme of numbers here, um, I wouldn't say these are obscure because they they are eaten on a massive scale in the country where I come from. But they'd say they're obscure here, and I'm going to give you I'm going to give you two sandwiches for the price of one here. If we're if, especially if we're including open face, which I think for the nature of this conversation we will. Sure. Number fine. one. Number one, the chutney sandwich, a.k.a. the Bombay sandwich. Uh, literally just cilantro chutney, 
usually a combination of vegetables that includes tomatoes, potatoes, cucumbers, chaat masala. I personally like to add a slice of cheese in there, a little bit of butter on the bread as well. A what fantastic kind of sandwich. Uh, so like oftentimes like processed cheese, American cheese, I've used cheddar, I've used pepper jack. A lot of cheeses work in but this. But a, mi- a mild cheese, not like gouda yes, or some shit. Precisely, okay. precisely. It's a it's a humble sandwich you eat on the side of the road, okay? Would um, you have it with camembert? C'est plus assertive. I could eat it every single day for the rest of my life. Um, and the second sandwich... Now, sometimes you get it served as a sandwich. Sometimes you get it served as kind of an open-faced melt. Is the chili cheese toast? I literally have a chili cheese toast tattoo. That's how Whoa. much of a fan I am Whoa. of this particular Damn. dish. It is fantastic. Um, it's Indian processed cheese, green chilies, uh, oftentimes shallot or red onion, um, some kind of combination of bell peppers. Melt it all together. It's fantastic. It's so good. I have a rule that when I'm in India and if they have chili cheese toast on the menu, I have to order it. Oh, so this is not like Texas chili on Wonder Bread. This no, is no, 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 no. It's okay. green chilies and cheese uh, so, together in perfect this harmony. Sounds, I have never seen that anywhere. It is so good. It is is hard it easy to find enough here. to find in the West or is it like... It's, it's difficult to find in the know States, a guy. But, but very easy to make. And you could find all the... You could find the right cheese in the Northeast too. Do, does the bread matter... For either of these sandwiches, like, is it usually on a dosa? Like, what? How do I? Does the okay. bread stuff matter? Saying, saying, is it on a dosa is way more racist than if you had said um, <laughs> any of these words in an Indian accent. Oh um, shit! Um, Damn it! <laughs> oh, but, <laughs> reluctantly, uh, yeah. here's my friend. Get his ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you can, uh, you can, you yeah. Take shit on me. I, yeah, I earned um, it. But uh, <laughs> because these are like these, this is literally like Indian street food. Both are typically made on like the most processed white bread you could imagine but no one's going to no one's going to be mad if you use a sourdough either you know what i'm saying okay i like All the right. idea of this can i say a weird um it is very faintly indian sandwich that i enjoy from a place in my neighborhood please this is a sandwich that should not be and i am sure that um it's not that it doesn't exist elsewhere it's just so the place is called uh, Punjabi Junction. It's like mostly a deli. You can get, we get like our lentils there. And then they also have like specials and stuff. You know, it's like Sunday's biryani day. Mm-hmm. They make different things. You can get, there's a lot of like, um, like just like sort of cab drivers coming through, like just double parking their car outside and then like running out with a little clamshell <laughs> to eat in there. Like that's like mm-hmm. most of the business that it seems to do. They also have sandwiches that they make that I guess are more designed for the fact that this is not a neighborhood with a ton of South Asian people living in it. So you can get a sandwich that is like a normal, like bodega deli thing, like a Kaiser roll dressed up with like shredded lettuce and tomato and, you know, like some other condiments, except for they will put onto it, um, either they do it with paneer, which is good. Mm -hmm. They also have a version where it is, that all the sandwich stuff that you're used to for a regular deli sandwich, except for they smush a samosa, griddle it while it's smushed, and then put it on there. What? So you're Ooh. it is the craziest shit in the world. So it is like Whoa. you get those like the outer part of the supposed there's like a crunchy texture element in there, but mostly you're getting that like potato and pea kind of like spicy filling mix as the thing in the sandwich. I eat it. I don't know, once a week. It costs that eight dollars. Fantastic. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's like good. almost like a like a torta in terms of like the way yes. that it's like constructed and stuff. It is a completely bizarre idea that I, I so Rohan, that is not like a thing, no, right? That like is, they that invented is, that. That is right. a creation and that sounds fantastic. Now, in certain like Cuban restaurants, you can get like croquetas that they'll like press in a yep. Cuban sandwich and it's delicious. This sounds oh, and you, so you good. You pronounced it so well. He's from Miami, <laughs> Drew. <laughs> but did you guys, um, growing up, have those like panini presses that were like would turn your sandwich into four little triangles? Yeah, I to saw me, them. When my mom was busting that out, I was like, "Today is going to be a, a fucking incredible day." Yeah, about to light <laughs> it up at school. <laughs> like, like, oh my god, I'm going to get the little crispy cheese edge on this triangle, and it's going to be awesome. 
Yeah, that's what oh. I use the uh, Foreman grill for. I've had the same yeah. Foreman grill since I was like yeah. 22. And at this point, yep. it's like like a, like a one of those left-handed relievers that only faces one guy. Yeah. Like, I really only do so much with it. Exactly. But it's good uh, for that. Oh, God. What was, his, what was his name? There's a great remember that guy who was like traded every year at the deadline for the But Jesse Orozco or like, there was a bunch uh, of like situations. Was it a Valone? Yeah, Ron Valone from Bergenfield, New Jersey. I, I that it is was pandering. Ron Valone. We love Ron. Was Ballone. a an all time. We need to get one left handed batter out guy. Yep. Like, is there a goatee dude that we could get for a hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> is there is, yes. is there a sandwich named after him? How did he? <laughs> if you go to Bergenfield, I'm sure that there's a deli where you can get like the Ron Valone. Ooh. Yeah. I just, so that's something I've not been to Bergenfield in a minute, but I would love to go in there and just see like how much mortadella is on that. <laughs> I I have enjoyed this enlightening sandwich discourse. I have learned a lot. And I have I have embarrassed myself, but it was worth embarrassing myself to learn. This is how we learn about things. <laughs> yeah. And all I have to all I have to add to the discourse is that I think that the dipped Italian beef sandwich should be nationwide instead of the Philly cheesesteak. That's what I think. Mm. That's like yeah. that's well, pretty that's no argument here, that, man. That's pretty basic sandwich talk. And it's nothing to the level of sandwich discourse that we just got from our incredible guest, Rohan Nightcarney. Rohan, you got anything to plug before we go? I think I've done enough plugs for the day. I'm, I'm say, out. Written anything about any unlikely stars of the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. recently? <laughs> if if I plugged anything else, I should be booed off. Yeah. Yeah. Let's end the podcast then. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Google is our editor. Theme songs by Kirk Hamilton. That's Kirk Hamilton, not Kirk Hammett. Ads and production services are by Multitude. <laughs> and you can subscribe to Defector.com. As you read about in the Columbia Journalism Review right now. Just go to Defector.com and hit the subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at Defector.com or even call us at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909-CHUTNEY-SANDWICH-0. We will be back <laughs> next week. Enjoy the NBA Finals, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks, Rowan.